Hey guys, this is Drake. Thanks so much for tuning in to our City Church podcast here. It's an honor to have you. Hey, at the end of this episode, we'd love for you to take a moment, subscribe to this podcast channel if you haven't already. Also subscribe to our YouTube channel so we can continue to serve you with content that we're putting out on a weekly basis. And in addition, if we can serve you in any way or connect with you in community in any way, you can visit our website at citychurchboulder.com and we would love to connect with you there. And lastly, and most importantly, I hope this content is helpful to you. It's encouraging, it's inspiring, and you leave better than you showed up. Enjoy. All right, guys. Hey, welcome to City Church. How you doing? (laughs) So good, man. I am so glad you're here. My name is Drake. I'm the pastor here. It's an honor to gather with you today, and I'm really excited today. We are wrapping up our 13-week series called Followers. Are you guys so glad that it's over? Kind of. It's been really good, right? How many of you guys have loved it? It's been awesome. It's been so good for me and my soul. I hope it's been helpful to you. Um, as always, you can catch all of it back on our YouTube channel, our podcast, and catch up. It's been a really formational series, not only as where we're going as a church, uh, but also kind of as a catalyst into what's coming for the rest of the year and even into next year. And so, uh, Maddie kind of gave you the quick rundown. You feel like you're drinking from a fire hydrant with all this stuff going on for Easter. It's a lot, right? But it's going to be amazing. We really want you to be kind of up to date with everything going on. So that card is there for you. It's also all on our website, an entire landing page dedicated to all those events, as well as things on Instagram and uh, Facebook for you to invite people. So we're trying to make it as easy as possible for you to be familiar with everything going on so you have confidence to be a, a light where you live, work, and play and invite others while not just bringing yourself. Now, Easter is coming, which I'm pumped about. Post-Easter, we start a new series called Text and Call, and I'm really excited about it. It'll be five weeks of digging in. I just want to kind of put it in your your ears right now of of dealing with first text as in Scripture, like the Bible, the B-I-B-L-E. Like, is it reliable? How do we know? And, and if it's reliable, like, is it authoritative and what does that mean? And so answering some really hard, really big questions, especially for our day and age, living in Boulder, kind of wrestling with your face. So, like, if you had those big questions, you're going to want to lean into that series. It's called Text and Call. Really excited for where it's going to go. And again, if the Bible is something we can lean on, if it's something that, uh, uh, that we can trust as authoritative for our lives, then there's a, some things that it means as re- regard to how we live. And so we're going to kind of press into that post-Easter. And Easter Sunday, just for encouragement, um, you know, you are the church. We talk about this all often. Our mission here is to help people find their way to God from where they are. And so part of that means when we gather, we get the opportunity to share God's love, and that's great. We love that part. Um, but the reality is some of my neighbors will never come to a city church gathering, and that's okay because God put me in the neighborhood so they can't get away from me, right? And the same is true for you. And so we just want to remind you, like, hey, leverage this week. Live on mission where you live, work, and play. play. Invite people to Easter. You know, kind of get over yourself and realize, like, rejection is no fun, but it's still worth it because God's love is so amazing. You guys with me on that? Wow, that wasn't... Okay, well, I'll, I'll, I'll say it slower. Rejection is no fun, yeah? But God's love is so amazing, it's still worth sharing, yeah? All right, all right, just want to make sure. So listen, listen, keep inviting... Good Friday, you know, the block party, all of that stuff. Easter Sunday is going to be great. Easter Sunday message is going to be geared to those that are wrestling with faith, have stepped away from faith, are not sure what they believe or why. Um, if you're a follower of Jesus, it's going to be a day that we celebrate, but it's also going to be an equipping day. And so I promise, man, no matter where you are on your spiritual journey, no matter where your friends, neighbors, coworkers, whatever, no matter where they are on their spiritual journey, they are loved, safe, and welcome here. And, I, and that's true for you today, wherever you are. You guys with me? All right, all right. I'm really pumped for today. As we kind of land the plane on this series, I, I want to kind of revisit some things and, and just make sure that we're really clear walking away from the series and into what's next. So if we're not careful, 
you and I, even if you're not a follower of Jesus, we can, we can slip into this space where following Jesus kind of becomes just another thing that we tack on to our over-busy, emotionally taxed lives. Um, and, and so, you know, I don't know where you're walking in, but, you know, you got work and maybe, you know, just the normal grind or maybe you increased your hours or you, you know, picked up a new shift or you got a new job or there's a new project due and then you got, you know, maybe you're in grad school and all your projects are due and, you, you know, you got capstone around the corner and, you know, you're parenting and you got little kids that you're just trying to keep alive. And, and the reality is you're the biggest threat to their, you know, well-being anyway. Um, if they don't chill out, you know, then at your own hands they might suffer some harm. This is a joke. You guys can have fun in church, okay? Uh, you know, you got your hobbies that you're just trying to, you know, maybe you're trying to stay active, climb a wall here and there, have a good time, like, you know, get out of just the, the, the 24-7 grind. Uh, you know, you got your friend circles to play into. You got extended family. Uh, um, you know, maybe you've got your undergrad and you're just dying in the, in the middle of, of finals. And so we have this work-life craziness going on all the time. And then on top of that, life is still happening to you, right? All the extra stuff that you're not, you know, it's kind of being imposed on you, like, oh, someone's sick again? Holy moly, I'm over it, all right? My kids have been sick for like six months straight, I feel like. Maybe not, but it's what it feels like. Someone's sick again, and then there's some drama you're dealing with over here in a relationship, and then something on your car broke again, and it's costing you extra money you didn't budget. So you've got normal life and the grind, and it's crazy, and you're busy, and I know you are, and it's a felt experience in the room, no matter where you are on your spiritual journey. And so then, if we're not careful, we have all of that going on, and then we kind of show up next to Jesus, and so we've got all of that plus, oh yeah, I've also got to read my Bible every day and pray and spend time with Jesus. Oh no, I also have to gather on the weekends with my church. Oh no, I've also got to go pass out door hangers and, and, and invite people that way, and oh, I've got to go to my city group, and oh, I've got to, now I've got to fast for five days, and oh man, I've got to gather for Good Friday, and I've got to serve and dress up like the Easter Bunny on Good Saturday. Good Saturday? It's just Saturday, but it'll be a good Saturday, and I've got to love my neighbors and invite them to everything, and Ooh, you guys feel that? It can feel like a lot. And if we're not careful, we kind of tack Jesus on to the hurriness that we live in, the hurried life and, and the kind of restlessness of our souls, and it's just another burden. But seriously, door hangers. <laughs> After service, okay? We mean it, okay? We, we need your help. It's going to be awesome. Um, let me read the, the words of Jesus to you for just a second. I'm going to just kind of see if you can identify with Jesus here. Matthew 11, check this out. Jesus says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened by door hangers in Easter weekend, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. This is an agrarian culture, so not yolk, like an egg. <laughs> yolk, as in something you put over, you know, the shoulders of two oxen to do work together. He says, take my yoke upon you. Learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. So I want you to sit in these words from Jesus for a second. And unfortunately, if you've been around church for a minute or you kind of grew up around it or you've just been exposed to different kind of circles of what feels like religion, um, it kind of feels like everything but what Jesus is talking about. Rest easy and light probably wouldn't be the words that many people choose to define their following of Jesus. And so there's a lot of people living their lives following Jesus, but they're tired and they're worn out and they're busy and they're living with this low-grade fatigue and anxiety that never goes away, no matter how much 
we put to our bodies or how much we unplug and veg out. But Jesus here is inviting us into an unhurried life. Let me read to you the message version that I think sums this up in an incredible way. Eugene Peterson writes, are you tired? You worn out? Burned out on religion? Come to me, Jesus says. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me, and you're going to learn to live freely and lightly. How many of you hear the words of Jesus here, and you want that? I mean, come on, put your hands up right now if you want that. See, see the reality is, even if you're not a follower of Jesus, like, that actually sounds pretty good. <laughs> Last time we talked about the cross, that sounded less good, but uh, this right here? Okay. But then, how many of you also can't relate? You're like, I hear it, and I see it, but I'm not sure that I've got that. You see, this is a felt experience for, for the person sitting next to you on your right and left, myself included, that, that, we, that we look at this and we feel this disconnect. So let me, let me give you this quote by Dallas Willard that I think is absolutely incredible to what Jesus is talking about here. He says, the secret to the easy yoke that Jesus is talking about involves living as Jesus lived in the entirety of his life, adopting his overall lifestyle. He says, you see, our mistake is to think that following Jesus consists in loving our enemies and going the second mile and turning the other cheek and suffering patiently and hopefully and serving at a block party and doing door hangers and inviting our friends and fasting and praying while living the rest of our lives just like everyone else does around us. And he says, that is a strategy bound to fail. John Mark Comer says it this way. He says, if you, want, if you and I want to experience the life of Jesus, that we have to adopt the lifestyle of Jesus. You see, the invitation from Jesus, and I need you to hear me, listen, no matter where you're walking in, it's all an invitation. It's not obligation, it's not burden, it's not shame, it's not guilt that are motivators. It's God's incredible love that invites us into something better, something we were made for. And the way of Jesus is not just a set of beliefs or our theology. It's not just a set of ethics, you know, rights and wrongs. While it is those things, the way of Jesus is an invitation into a lifestyle. Look how Frederick Dale Brunner says it this way. He says, a yoke, just kind of helping us understand the, the, this principle, a yoke is a work instrument. Thus, when Jesus offers us his yoke, he offers what we might think tired workers need the least. They need a mattress, <laughs> or a vacation. Come on, that's what I'm talking about. Not a yoke. Tempur-Pedic, please. But Jesus realizes that the most restful gift that he can give the tired is a new way to carry life, a fresh way to bear responsibilities. He goes on. He says, realism would see that life is a succession of burdens, we can't get away from them. You realize that, right? There's no escape to the reality of life, and it continues to come. Instead of offering escape, which is what we want, and we look for in a bottle, we look for in a video game, we look for in a relationship, we look for in a Netflix binge, 
We look for in that thing that stays in our pockets and rings all the time. Instead of offering escape, Jesus offers equipment. Isn't that interesting? Jesus means that obedience to his Sermon on the Mount, this new way of living, his yoke, it will actually develop in us a balance and a way of carrying life that will give more rest than the way that we have been living. So the reality is there is this emotional weight to life. You and I can't get away from that. And the load will keep coming. And, you know, a lot of us, you know, you kind of go through seasons of life and you're in college and you feel like you're drowning and you're in your undergrad and you're like, man, this is the worst ever and I can't wait. I'm going to have all this free time the second I get out of college. And then you get out of college and you're like, oh my goodness, now I don't have all this free time and now I have work and I have friends and then you have kids and you're like, why did I do that? And uh, it's a joke. I love my kids. I love my kids. But you have, right, and, and then, you know, you empty nesters and, you know, you think, okay, I'm an empty nester now I'm going to have all this time and all of a sudden you look up and you don't. And it is this hurried version of life that it is a felt need regardless of your social class or your stage and season of life. Everyone is fighting this fight. There's this book that we recommend often that, that I highly recommend you pick up if you're interested in d- diving deeper into this conversation. It's by John Mark Homer, The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry, and it, and it digs deeper into the conversation I'm giving you today. Um, I, I wasn't originally going to give this message today. I actually had something different planned, and I felt like Holy, the Holy Spirit wanted me to give this to you. And so I hope... I. From, from talking to many of you, but also just kind of recognizing where we are, this is a really important recentering. I feel like if we miss this conversation, we miss the entire last 13 weeks of our work together as a church. And so I need you to understand that this invitation, instead of like following Jesus just being another thing that we, we kind of tack on to the weightiness and the hurriedness of our lives, we're invited rather to yoke up with Jesus, to carry the load with Jesus. Jesus is inviting us to match our pace of life with his. A couple of weeks ago, me and Isaac were up here and we were skipping on stage for you. You guys remember? You need a repeat? I'll do it for you. Isaac's like, no. <laughs> and, and we talked, right? Like matching the rhythms of, of Jesus and, and kind of being in step with him. The idea of, of a yoke is that we are tied together in this. And so Jesus is inviting us into a rhythm of life as if to say, hey, get up under here with me and we'll carry this together, a new way to work. The hardest way, I don't want you to miss this, and if you're taking notes, I highly recommend, if you're not taking notes, I recommend you do so. Um, by the way, it's, it's not because I think I have profound things to say, but if you and I gather and we, we think, hey, you know what, we're going to experience the presence and power of God, he's going to speak, there's an expectation that things are going to change in me, some things that I need to be doing, then I want to posture my heart by being ready to capture what God does so that I can do something about it. Does that make sense? So there's actually journals in the seatbacks in front of you and pens if you so desire to grab one of those. There's also Bibles gifted there that you're welcome to take home. Those are all gifts for you just to help you take what God is doing in your own heart and life and then apply it. Many times what we write down, we we remember. But as we talk about this, I, I just need you to catch this, that the hardest way to follow Jesus is to live like everyone else on the planet and then try to add Jesus on top of that where you can fit him in. It's the most exhausting, it's the most burdensome, it's religion and not relationship. The motive gets all mixed up. Some days you might have it right and then you lose it immediately. The easiest way to follow Jesus is actually totally upside down and counterintuitive. It's to radically alter our lives around the entire lifestyle of Jesus. To be in in alignment with Jesus and to look up and say, you know what, I want that and then to take steps accordingly. 
So in order to do that, you and I have to slow down. You guys with me? We are just constantly hurried. We got clocks just demanding our every minute and constant invitation and interruption. And so out of this premise from this book, um, he, he kind of builds the entire book on this quote by Dallas Willard, and I'll give it to you here. He says that hurry is the great enemy of our spiritual lives in our day. This is in, in, in response to a conversation of like, man, I feel stuck in my relationship with God. And Dallas Willard, Willard says the answer is you must ruthlessly eliminate hurry from your life. Let me ask you a question. If, if someone were to ask you today, hey, like what's the biggest obstacle, the greatest challenge today to your spiritual life? You know, what's interesting is hurry probably wouldn't be on that list. We probably think of a thousand other things. But hurry, Comer argues, would be at the center of this challenge. Carl Jung says it this way. Hurry is not of the devil. Hurry is the devil. <laughs> I like that. You see, people are, are, the premise here is that you and I are so busy that, that we are, are too busy to live emotionally healthy, spiritually rich lives. And you know this because it's the reality that you live in every day when you wake up. Michael Zigarelli did a survey and it posted in this manner as the headline, Christians too busy for God. Listen to his, his, uh, his studies here. This is amazing. He says, it may be the case that Christians are assimilating to a culture of busyness, hurry, and overload, which leads to God becoming more marginalized in Christians' lives, which leads to a deteriorating relationship with God, which leads to, he goes on, Christians becoming even more vulnerable to adopting secular assumptions about how to live, which leads to more conformity to a culture of busyness, hurry, and overload. And then the cycle begins again. I'm exhausted reading that paragraph, much less living it out. And this is the life that you and I live. And you know what's really sad about, about his observations um, is that pastors rank at the top of this list uh, along with like doctors and other people who you would imagine have very full schedules. And so no one is exempt from the culture, kind of the environment we talked about a couple of weeks ago that we live in. So the only way is to fight that environment with a new way of living. Ronald Rollheiser says it this way. We are distracting ourselves into spiritual oblivion, pathological busyness, distraction, and restlessness. Those are major blocks today within our spiritual lives. So before I give you the how, how do we unbusy our lives, before I give you that, I got a couple of things that I think would be helpful for us to revisit. Um, so a little history lesson. Before, before the clock was invented and before light bulbs were invented, the average adult, I don't know if you knew this, the average adult used to sleep 11 hours a night. Come on, I'm about to go smash every light bulb in my house. We're, gonna, we're just gonna go back to the Stone Age, man. 11 hours a night. Listen, I'm all for labor-saving devices and in a lot of ways they've benefited us, right? All about that. But ironically, we have all of these incredible things to labor-save and we're busier than ever. In 2007, something changed the way that it means to be human. In 2007, the iPhone was released and it, it functionally changed the world that we live in. So on average, today, the average adult touches his or her phone 2,617 times a day. Over, a, over 76 different sessions for a total of two and a half hours on that smartphone that plagues your pocket. 
And the stats are actually higher for young adults. Over 85 sessions, upwards of five hours. There's this compulsion and dopamine hit, right, that, that we get from the connection and the connectivity that we carry in this age and time. And, and here's a definition just from a dictionary to help you understand kind of what, you're, what we're wrestling with. Addiction is the relentless pull to a substance or an activity that becomes so compulsive that it ultimately interferes with your everyday life. The iPhone. <laughs> or for your Android people, we don't like you, but <laughs> you're still welcome here. You can join the team and be an Android user, but we talk about you behind your backs. All right. Um, there's this thing right now in our culture called hurry sickness. It's an actual diagnosis you can receive. It's, a, it's defined this way, a behavior pattern characterized by continual rushing and anxiety. Hurry sickness. Hurry, quite literally, is a form of violence on our soul. You say, why are we talking about this? Because Jesus was the master of an unhurried life the most important person who ever lived, more books written about him, more songs sung about him, more about Jesus than any other person in the history of the planet, yet he was incredibly unhurried and present to everyone around him and all that God was doing. Ruth Haley Barton gives this list that I just wanna, I wanna help you do like a self-diagnosis. 10 signs that you're moving too fast through life. You ready? This hurt your feelings. Here we go. Number one, irritability. What are you talking about? I'm not irritable. Wish you'd hurry up and get through this message. Hypersensitivity. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. I don't even have any feelings. I'm not hypersensitive. Don't talk about it. All right, number three, restlessness, or this idea that you can't even relax when you're trying to rest. You've been there. <laughs> you're like in the zone of, re of relaxing, but you're not relaxed. It's, it's really frustrating. Number four, compulsive overworking. You know what that one is. Num number five, numbness, as in you don't have the emotional capacity to be empathetic toward others. You're just empty. Number six, escapist behaviors, as in all the things that we turn to to kind of numb the pain and binge out on media and games and just disappear into a world of, of oblivion and pick up a bottle and not feel things. Number seven, disconnected from our, our identity and calling. Number eight, we're not able to attend to human needs, as in you know, stuff like sleep and exercise and eating well, those things that are probably important. Number nine, hoarding energy. And number 10, slippage. I like that word, slippage in spiritual practices. You got any slippage going on? <laughs> right? How many of you are like seven for 10 right now? <laughs> Nine for 10, 10 for 10. All right, we're just all there. 10 signs you're moving too fast through life. We have a problem, don't we? You know this, guys. It's not, it's not new news. Ironically, the solution is not more time. If you had 10 extra hours in a day, miraculously, you know what you'd do? Fill it with the same junk you're doing with the other 24 you already have? <laughs> this is a problem that we share, and the answer is not more time. The answer is to slow down and simplify our lives around the lifestyle of Jesus. Now, I need you to understand before I get into the practical here that you are uniquely human, and what that means is, is, regardless of where you are on your spiritual journey, you are made in the image of God, and you are also made from the dust of the earth. And so what that means is you and I carry this incredible tension of living into all of the potential that our life carries, and I'm all about that, but also carrying massive limitations at the same time. Made in the image of God, 
And from the dust of the earth, we have tons of potential and tons of limits. And we live in a world that wants you to press into all of your potential and ignore your limits. And what happens is we crash and burn or live kind of this numb, busy life. So the question is, how do we slow down our lives? How do we get to the space to actually accept the invitation from Jesus in Matthew 11? And and quite frankly, this is what the whole series that we've been in has been about, right? The last 13 weeks, you need to revisit. It's been really helpful because it's all been focused at this one goal. I want you to think about the spiritual disciplines, the lifestyle of Jesus as a governor on your soul. How many of you guys have been to the, you know, like a go-kart track, racing your friends? They tell you not to bump, but you do it anyway. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah. And how many of you are always looking for the fastest one? Come on, where's my need, need for speed, friends? Yeah, the rest of you... I like to race against you. We'll be honest, right? Like, I want the fastest one. And then how many of you are just bummed out when you get the slow one, right? So all of those go-karts have, have this thing called a governor on it, right? It's kind of like, it caps the speed. You ever notice you kind of get up to a certain speed and then it just kind of like, it just kind of stops. And you're like, come on, I know you got more in you. There's this governor, which in my opinion, those are just fun suckers, right? Like, we should take them off. Let's run it, pedal to the metal, see who doesn't die. It's going to be great, right? Uh, there is this place off of 36 called Unser, which is like adult go-karts, which like is absolutely terrifying. Like they make you wear a helmet and like a neck guard and I, I'm driving so fast I made myself motion sick, right? <laughs> like it was crazy and awesome. Um, but the idea is a governor, normally for us, we think of it as a limit. Um, I, you know, we've got, I grew up riding dirt bikes and four wheelers and anytime you hit a, you know, the governor, you're like, oh man, just a little bit more. And quite frankly, most of the time you, you want to push it. But the reality is the governor is not just for you. Sometimes they're set low, but that, that's lame. So if you open up your own go-kart place, don't do that. Okay. But the governor is there also to protect the motor. It sets a limit because full throttle all the time is not sustainable. You run anything in your life full throttle all the time and things start to tear up and the same is true for your soul. But you and I live in a world that wants to ignore any kind of governor. We don't need governors on our souls. We need heavy pedal all the time, full throttle, face melting, exciting, sleep when I'm dead kind of a life, right? The problem is that if we keep living like that, we're going to be dead sooner than later, right? So You need a governor for your soul. The good news is Jesus invites us into this space, a governor for our soul that's actually good for us, protects us, and allows us to move into that space. And so a couple of things we've we've been spending spending time on, but I just want to revisit them real fast. Silence and solitude, that daily rhythm of time with Jesus. We spent a lot of time on this. There's series that we did in the fall. You can go pick back up the journals, the Bibles in front of you. There's tools in the lobby. We have an entire website page on our website dedicated to spiritual growth to serve you well. All of our city groups are focused on this space that you and I can't give what we don't have and we can't get it from anywhere else but Jesus. And so we need to spend time with him daily and intimately, not as a burden, but as a relationship. A motive of love, not guilt and shame. And, and many of you, man, I have conversations all the time, and it is a struggle. Isn't it ironic that the most life-giving thing that you can do for your soul is the hardest thing to do every day? It's not a mistake. Guys, and I love you. I've been praying for you all morning and all week, and I'm telling you, if we miss that space with Jesus, we miss everything. I can't give it to you. No one in your group can give it to you. There's not a book, an exercise program, or a meal plan that will give it to you. There's not more hours in a week. There's not more stuff you can accumulate. Outside of Jesus, we do not get the life that is truly life, and you don't get it through osmosis only. It's daily time with Jesus 
in rhythm and in tandem and in step with him. Even if it's 15 minutes, it's starting in that space. Number two is fasting, which we're going to be doing this week. And on that card, listen, don't miss it. It's, it's going to go out in an email. It'll go out on our social media. But on that card is instructions on how to fast. And we did a series uh, in, the, in the fall more on that. So if you want to go pick that up and kind of check it out, it was the last message in our Silence and Solitude series. And really helpful. We're taking five days this week to give up what we love, to pursue what we love even more, to starve our flesh in order to press in and feed on the Spirit, like John Mark Comer says. Jesus said, when you fast, not if. This is a core spiritual discipline in the way of Jesus because we learn something through our bodies for our souls. And so this week, we're fasting. Why? To draw closer to God daily and live on mission with him, to be aware of his presence working in and through us and where we live, work, and play so we can love others well. Number three, Sabbath. This is that 24-hour block of time where we slow down, we stop wanting, we stop working, we rest, we do things that delight the soul, we worship God. Every Saturday for my family, our Sabbath starts on Friday at 6 p.m. and it goes till Saturday at 6 p.m. And, and we really, you gotta fight it, right? These are all invitational. But this week, I, I messed it up. <laughs> Had a really great day planned for Sabbath yesterday, but woke up late, and so then my kids were already wired and ready to go, and so then I tried to have some silence and solitude with Jesus, but I missed it. And so all day, I'm like off, just kind of just, I'm just off all day, because I didn't have any time to center myself as we went into the day. And so it's funny that these even go hand in hand, that on my Sabbath, I missed silence and solitude, and I messed it up. And I apologized to Danielle last night. I'm like, I, I, here, here's what happened. I totally missed it. I, I tried to skimp on this part, and, and I didn't have a time to center my soul. And lastly is simplicity. And we've been, we, we spent the series plus some in the fall walking through this thing. Say, why, why, why is it more to do? I thought it wasn't about to do. I thought it was being with Jesus. What was this series been about? Be with Jesus. Become like Jesus and do what he did. There is no life with Jesus without the lifestyle of Jesus. And that's what these things are. They are windows. They are access points. They are conduits into the life that is truly life. These are means to an end, right? The goal is Jesus, not the disciplines. But in simplicity or simple living, this is, this is, again, kind of stripping our whole life down to that space of what really matters. And so we go through our entire lives, starting with money and possessions and activities and hobbies and habits, and you look at it all and you start stripping it down, you're asking the question, what are the core practices in the way of Jesus that actually lead to life in my life? So this is just a reminder. We spent tons of time on this. You probably know it. If you feel like you need to be more equipped, we're here to serve you in that. But there is no life with Jesus without the lifestyle. So as we slow down and we kind of press into what Jesus has for us, I just want to acknowledge how hard this is. This is really hard. It's a fight for your soul. So the question for you and I today, I'm going to invite Daniel to come, and as he comes, the question that we're going to wrestle with is, are we, are we going to keep running at, at breakneck speed through all of life and, and just kind of tack on Jesus along the way as it is convenient, as we get time, hoping he helps when we need help? Daniel slash Kari. <laughs> I didn't ask who's coming up. <laughs> Thank you, Kari. 
Um, but again, the question, the question is this. Are we going to keep running at breakneck speed, just tacking on Jesus along the way, or will we radically alter our pace of life to slow down and take up the easy yoke with Jesus? It's invitational. So here's how I want to end the time. Just one last little piece of observation for you. The word disciple that, that Jesus used, or follower, or apprentice, that we've been using this entire series. In the New Testament, it's methetes. And it's a noun, not a verb. Every time you see it, 268 times in the New Testament, it's a noun, never a verb. And so Jesus says in Matthew 28, after his death, burial, and resurrection, which we're going to celebrate next week, he says, go to his followers and make disciples, noun, of all nations, and baptize them to identify with me, and then teach them how to follow me. And every time we see this word appear, it is in the form of a noun, not a verb. The reason I say that is because for many, we hear the word disciple or go and make disciples, and it sounds like a verb. Go and disciple people. So someone might ask you, hey, who are you discipling? That's actually like not, not grammatically correct based on the New Testament language. Let me give you just some, just help, me, help you understand, okay? Who are you, who are you Christianing? That, that, that's what we're saying when we use the word as a verb instead of a noun. Hey, who are you Christianing? Who are you, who are you believeringing? <laughs> who are you followering? Doesn't work, does it? You see, we attach the idea of a follower or a disciple, the word Jesus invites us into, to the end of his invitation to go make disciples, baptize them, and then teach them. We think, okay, it's over here. Teach. That's not how he used it. So if you and I, here's, here's why this is important. If we think that the invitation of being a disciple or an apprentice is a verb, if it's something done to us, then it puts the responsibility on someone else, doesn't it? Welcome to Western Christian consumerism. No one discipled me. That's not the invitation. If it's a noun, it's identity. It's who you are. It puts the responsibility not out there, but right here. This is not to mean that we live individualistic, siloed lives. But the idea here is as a disciple, an apprentice, a follower of Jesus, the responsibility lies on you and on me to take up our cross like we talked about last week because it's not heavy. It's an invitation from Jesus. It's all an invitation into the life that is truly life. And so you and I have a choice to make. You and I can wake up every day and guess what? Life will still be hard and it will still be messy and there will still be chaotic, you know, frenetic busyness all around us. But we can choose to live life to the full. Because when we adopt the lifestyle of Jesus, it changes everything. So just a reminder, if you want to experience the life of Jesus, if you want Matthew 11 that we read at the beginning of this service, we have to adopt the lifestyle of Jesus, friends. And this is why we have community. And this is why we gather. Because all of us drift. None of us have it all together. But together, as we follow Jesus, as we disciple and apprentice under Jesus, you know what happens? 
we begin to do the things that he has invited us to do, becoming the people that he is calling us to become. So here's your next steps for this week. A couple of things. Number one, I just want to challenge you to prioritize daily time with Jesus in the scriptures and in prayer. Bible's all around for you. YouVersion Bible app, it's free. There's journals everywhere. We've got tools on how to read the Bible. You name it, man. We're, we're in your corner for this. We call it the 5% life. Listen, this is not like City Church's strategy for you to be a better person. Everything we invite you into is out of the life and the lifestyle of Jesus, nothing else. We're committed to the bare minimums, and I believe in you that you can rise to the occasion to not settle for just a low-grade, anxious life but life to the full, and it starts right here. If you don't do it at all, 15 minutes of your day. If you can prioritize the morning, even better. It takes 15 minutes to focus at all. Five minutes for me to stop thinking about what I'm thinking about. Five minutes for me to just focus and read whatever's in front of me and pray and journal. And five, five minutes for me to process that and actually do something with it. Start somewhere, start anywhere but don't miss that space. We say this all the time, before we want anything from you, it's what we want for you. Jesus, with his life, his death, his burial, and his resurrection, he paid a payment. He wrote a check with his life for you that you and I are invited to cash every day in life to the full. Number two, I wanna invite you to fast over the next five days. For some of you, this is, you've done this before and you're ready to go. For some of you, this is a challenge. On that card, in your seats, there's a list of ideas, different things that you could fast from and give up. Again, it's, it's giving up what we love to pursue what we love even more, to put our focus on Jesus and then to begin to love what Jesus loves. And so as you fast, I just want to invite you. It's, a, it's an opportunity to focus on intimacy with God and it's an opportunity to live on mission with God, to pay attention throughout my week, to invite my neighbors and my friends and my coworkers to pray over them and look for opportunities. Gina prayed it this morning. Not just the people I know. Maybe God's going to put someone in my path that I get to just simply invite. I invited Brockton from Spruce this week. And we had a great conversation about one wheels and trying not to die while you're riding on asphalt and community. And I invited him to City Church. Just because God opened the door and I was present. I also missed an opportunity because I didn't spend time with Jesus and I wasn't present. So don't miss the invitation here. And the last one is this, to live on mission with Jesus daily this week. Guys, don't, don't miss the opportunity. Take the invites. Handwrite an invitation. Put them on your neighbor's door. Send a text message. Use a digital image. Like, you are the church. We are the church. We exist for the world. So let's be the church. Let's love and serve. And if they come to Easter, awesome. If they don't come to Easter, but they'll come to your kitchen table, awesome. It's all a win when you and I live on mission where we live, work, and play. So let me pray for you. God, thanks so much for the invitation today into life. God, I pray that we don't miss it, that this is not an invitation to add you on top of all of our busyness, all of our hurry, to try to squeeze you in into all the different things we already have going on. This is an invitation into a radical transition of, of what's at the center of our lives and it's hard and there is a war on our souls and there is an enemy working against, against us and there is a culture that promotes anything and everything but the space and the rhythm that you invite us into. 
And so Holy Spirit, we invite you right now as we pray to identify what it is that needs to shift. We recognize that all of the disciplines are helpful. They're all catalysts into life, but there's probably something specifically that we need as individuals, something that needs to shift, something that needs to have a greater priority, something we need accountability on, something we need to invite other people into, something we simply need to do, something we've been dragging our feet on over and over and over again. And so Holy Spirit, right now, I pray our hearts would be postured and our yes would be on the table before we hear what it is that you want us to do. What do we remember that obedience is in response to love? We don't, we don't, we don't follow you because we're afraid of what will happen if we don't. We don't follow you out of guilt and shame and obligation. We follow you because you love us. And that while we were still sinners, you died for us, not because we cared about you, not because we pursued you, not because we were good people, but because you loved us. You died for us. You were buried and you rose again, demonstrating that you were who you said you were, that you can do in our lives what you said you would do, that we can be made alive again. And Jesus, right now in the room, as my friends are, are, are just reflecting on what you're doing in their own hearts and minds, there are friends in the room who, who have not started a relationship with you. They've been in different places on their spiritual journey, but there's never been a moment in their life where they prayed and asked you to save them and set them free. Where they've responded to the invitation, not into religion, but a relationship. To put their trust or their faith in you to say, Jesus, I believe that you're the son of God. I believe you died for my sin. I believe you rose again like I can't to give me new life. And Jesus, I want to accept that invitation today, that incredible love and that incredible gift. I want to be a part of your family. I want you to make me new. And I want to walk in the unforced rhythms of grace. No one's looking around. This is just a moment of privacy right now. But friends, if you're in the room and for the first time your heart and your mind are lining up and you're like, man, that's what I need today. I have never taken that step, but I want to give my life to Jesus today. I want you to know you can pray for that in the privacy of your own heart and mind. You can receive that gift from Jesus today, and everything changes forever in a moment. Heaven celebrates, and so will we. You can let us know about that decision on that connection card. Some of you are in the room, you're followers of Jesus, and if disciple is a noun, it's part of your identity, your next step is you need to be baptized. After making the decision to follow Jesus, baptism is not something we do before we follow Jesus. It's something we do after. It's an identity marker. The old me is dead. Jesus has made me new. And we do it first out of obedience, but in trusting Jesus because he loves us. Some of you, that's your next step. You can let us know on that connection card. Others of you, maybe you need prayer, you need help, you need community, whatever it is, whatever's going on in your life. I invite you to wrestle with that either privately or we're going to have some people in the back that are ready to pray for you, help you take next steps, answer questions, whatever it is. So Jesus, we give you the rest of the service and our songs and our singing. Would you draw our hearts to you and move us toward action? It's in Jesus' name.